Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to our latest edition of Argyle Chat. After a few weeks recharging the batteries, I am joined by revitalised Chris Errington and Jack Ball. Hi guys. I think that's pushing it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I think revitalised might be pushing it a little bit, Stu. But yes, we've had a good uh, bit of a break and um, batteries recharged, batteries getting Semi. getting recharged, <laughs> and you know fixtures coming up soon, and you know dare mm. I say even pre-season games not that far away. Yeah. So um, scary, it's going to go very quickly. We've got to fit a World Cup in somehow as well. Exactly. So now we're going to do that. And of course, we've got the fixtures next Thursday as well. So it's, yeah, looking forward it's to it. Around. That's when it all becomes real, isn't it? And oh, yeah. of course, Carabao Cup first round draw on Friday. Live from where? <laughs> Live from Vietnam. Vietnam. <laughs> Good morning, Vietnam. <laughs> so um, it's, uh, so it's, all, it's all taking shape, isn't it, as we're uh, about to discuss now? Indeed, and uh, as I'm sure everybody's aware, there's been plenty of uh, goings on at Home Park in the last week. Five signings in five days, just run through them. Connor Grant and Callum Dyson, who were both released by Everton. Joe Riley, Freddie, Freddie Ladapo, and Niall Cavanan. So um, initial thoughts, Jack? I've got to be honest, I was off last week, so I've not researched many of them too too, good too much <laughs> So I go to Christmas <laughs> But like I said to you before, what I would say is I don't I try not to get too swayed by signings anymore. The ones that have excited me in the past have always turned out to be yeah. ones that have let not have let me down, but have not always done what I expected, like David Goodwillie, and I did Chief Jim, I was all raving about him when he came yeah. in. The likes of Graham Carey, I'd never heard of him before he came, Sonny Bradley, I didn't think much of him when he arrived. You know, looking back at its history, so yeah. I don't think you can judge too much by their names. I think what I would say from the, the brief bit I've looked at is that they seem typical Derek Adam signings. Players that have had a few injuries throughout their career, but if you can keep them fit, then they've got great potential. Um, and so when you look at the players, they look at like players that might have looked at Derek Adams and thought, actually, he can help make me a better player. Um, so, so they look good, and I think quite a lot of them got legal experience as well, which I think will be very helpful as well. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd agree with Jack that, you know, I think the signing I was most excited about last summer was Nadia Chifji and, you know, it didn't work out, you know, and uh, you sometimes get signings that people haven't heard of and they, they turn out to be successful. So, you know, just because they're not necessarily a name in inverted mm. commas doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to be a really good signing for Argyle. No. Um, the things I would take from it is, is, is a sort of more general view is that I think it's good that Argyle have got five signings done by, by early in June. I think that's a positive because one, that would suggest that the players are pretty keen to sign for Argyle because they could leave it for a little bit longer, keep their options open, wait a bit closer to the pre-season and see if anything better comes up. So the fact that these five players have all signed up already is is a good indicator of how keen they are to to be down. And also I think it's a a good indicator that they must be near the top of Derek Adams' wish list when he's had his, his charts and Greg Strong, I did an interview with recently, the Chief Scout and you know, he explained how they had all the positions lined up and they have, you know, target A, B, C, D, E, F. Now, these players might not necessarily be target A, although some of them might be, but I think they're a lot nearer A than MNOP yeah. sort of thing. So I think it's a good sign that um, Derek Adams is bringing in the sort of players that he wants. Jack's right, they're, they're, they're typical Derek Adams signings, aren't they? I mean, Connor Grant and Callum Dyson, could they be the sort of Threl Keldon Tanner sort of type sort of situation. Joe Riley's an experienced right-back. Argyle clearly need a right-back after Oscar Threlkeld's uh, departure and Gary Miller being released. 
Um, you know, Freddie Ladapo is a striker who's clearly got potential. He didn't get signed by a Premier League club for no reason. Um, perhaps consistency has been an issue with him. At 25, he needs to find a home. He needs to really nail down a, a place. That's the sort of you know, development project that Derek Adams seems to enjoy. And, and Niall Canavan at six foot three, twenty-seven, looks like a Sonny Bradley replacement. Mm-hmm. Now, only time will tell, but, you know, um, Argyle were able to get him in um, before Sonny Bradley confirmed he would be leaving. So I think there's some good signings. And just one other point, I suppose, you know, with Callum Dyson and, and Freddie Ladapo coming in, that's two strikers. You know, strikers' lack of was yeah. an issue at the end of last season, wasn't it? You know, no Ryan Taylor, no Simon Church, and, and we ended up playing an important game against Scunthorpe with like Ruben Ramirez down the middle up front. Mm. So, you know, we've got Ryan Taylor re-signed on a two-year contract. We've got Ladapo and uh, and Dyson coming in. Dyson is um, a potential target man as well if anything happens to Ryan Taylor. And then when you add sort of Carey, Ramirez, Grant, Alex Fletcher as well. Um, Alex Fletcher, if he if he re-signs yeah. his contract, there's there's plenty. Joel Grant, you know, there's plenty of attacking options. I think one more striker maybe. Would, would be nice just to, to fit into the mix but um, as, as Stu and I did a little uh, video clip for, for the Plymouth Live, Live website yesterday you know um, I think you know the more attacking options you can have the, the better Chris and I were talking last week Jack about um, Derek Adams and he when he sort of has interest in a player he tends to go back to them quite a lot as well and we've seen that with yeah. um, Connor Grant and, and Callum Dyson especially. Obviously, Dyson was linked with a loan move last summer. I think it was probably injury looking back as to why that one didn't come off. And, of course, Connor Grant was set to come to Hope Park in January, but the move collapsed at the last minute, didn't it? So, um, you know, he, he, he certainly knows about these players and has targeted them for quite a while. And I think he said that about Remy Matthews. I think he'd seen him at mm. Hamilton. I think there's a fair few players that no one doubt has his interest and he seems to make it known. And uh, the players seem to respond to that. And, you know... When you look at what Derek Adams has done at Argyle, why wouldn't you want to be part of that? I think Chris is quite right. The fact that they've signed up this early is a great indication. And for the likes of Callum Dyson, who I'm sure would have hoped, well, I'm kind of glad they might have got a look in at some point at Everton because you don't go to a big club hoping you, you, know, you don't, that this is a good step for them. And, you know, you, you need to get some games under your belt. Um, with Freddie Ladapo, is that how you say it? Ladapo? That's going to be one that I need to practice. <laughs> when... Um, you know, he, he fits the sort of like the Jay Jervis role. He had a lot of clubs before he came to Argyle and, and he had the most stable period, the most fruitful in terms of goal scoring. Um, so, so it's no surprise that he, he, he's shown interest in these players before. He also, you, you can tell that Derek comes as, as a brain that never stops. You know, you can tell when he's managing games that he's probably got one eye on players that he's watching on the other team to think about for the future. Mm-hmm. He's certainly the man that knows what he wants and he's, he, he's certainly the man that goes after it. Yeah, with Grant and Dyson especially, I mean, they're, they're young players. Obviously, mm-hmm. I think they've been at Everton since they were yeah. seven, eight, nine years old. They're, they're obviously players that have come here on free transfers and players that Argyle can invest time in, in in terms of making them better and then perhaps look to sell on further down the line. Yeah, or, or just get some benefit from them. And that's why I use the Threll Keltana sort of analogy with those two um, because they've both been at higher level clubs, haven't really made their, their name there have taken a step down but then if they can come in and play regular first team football you know that's all to their benefit um you know Connor Grant's an interesting one I remember you know his deal in January fell through if you remember because 
he played for two teams last season and you cannot play for more than two teams in a season. Mm-hmm. He'd been on loan at Crewe and he'd played uh, for Everton under-23s in the Czech Trade Trophy. So at the last minute, that deal was all about to happen. It sounds as though, although I haven't had the chance to speak to Conor Grant myself yet, that he was actually down at Home Park and it was all ready to happen before the Oldham Athletic away game when someone, somewhere along the line, realised that the red tape wouldn't allow the move to happen. And we, we played Oldham that Saturday. Jack was, was there as well. And um, it, it was, it was, you wondered how Derek Adams was going to respond to being asked about, well, it looks as though Conor Grant's mm. fallen through, you know, and, and how do you feel about it? Because sometimes Derek Adams doesn't particularly want to talk about players that, that haven't signed for Argyle and, you know, for obvious reasons. Um, so you wondered when you asked the question, well, Conor Grant's not signed, what's happened there if he just sort of said, no, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. And he actually went into quite a lot of detail about what had happened. And, you know, when you look back, that shows you that he was really keen to get Conor Grant in in January. Very, very keen. And as Jack said, and as you've raised in the, the first point you made there, Stu, he, when he gets a player in his mind, if it doesn't happen the first time, he doesn't give up on it. He keeps that in the back of his mind. I think he and Greg Strom work very closely together. They keep an eye on these players. And I don't think it's any coincidence that Grant and Dyson you know, are quick to sign, and, and other players as well, because they know that there's been an interest from Derek Adams for a while. And you know everyone wants to be liked mm. and, and, and wanted, don't they? You must give you confidence yeah. that you're going to get a chance. If, if, you, if, if you know that this was a manager that wanted you in January... And as soon as the season's ended, he's back in again. Yeah. You know, you've got to think, well, OK, this, is, this has got to be worth me doing. And, and Noel Cavanagh as well, mm. you know. I mean, he came out and said that Argyle had sort of looked to sign him a year or so ago. Mm. And ever since, he's kept an eye out for Argyle's results. And yeah. now the times, obviously, mm. he feels it's right to, to make that move to, to Plymouth. But again, it just shows that Derek Adams has had that interest and has, has followed it up. Further down the line. And it sounded like he had quite a nasty injury at the back end of last yeah. season. And, um, you know, so he, he didn't play too much last season. And again, this is another sort of Derek Adams sort of trait, isn't he? He, he? You know, because he hasn't got vast sums of money to spend, you know, you don't always get top, top proven quality players. But, you know, Noel Kahneman has got a lot of uh, games in League One, more so at Scunthorpe, admittedly, than, uh, than Rochdale. But he averaged about one goal every 10 games as a centre-back playing for Scunthorpe in League One. Does that sound like anyone? You know, Sonny yeah. Bradley? So that, that looks like a replacement. Although I would say, you know, with centre-backs, um, you know, they've only really got Ryan Edwards and Noel Canavan you know Ryan Edwards is coming off the recovery from testicular cancer so you know you, you need to add more centre-backs there mm-hmm. Jan Songo might be one if he re-signs uh, his new contract but you know that's an area of the squad that needs addressing but I think we can probably come on to that shortly and also yeah. he's, he's part of that Scunthorpe defence wasn't he with Murphy that came mm-hmm. a lot of clean sheets so he's got the experience there mm-hmm. and I'm sure that Adams will be very confident that he can bring that back out of him again and from what I read, kind of Kavanagh wants that as well. Yeah, and he knows Jamie Ness, you know, yeah. so there's a there's a link there. Grant and Dyson know each other, there's a link there, you know, so it always helps players. Riley, what was one of the first tweets you saw, Stu, after doing the story about uh, Riley signing Anthony Sarsavic, you know, welcome yeah. to the club, Shrewsbury link there. Never does any harm to have all these little links, so when these players, you know, start pre-season training, they're sort of brought into the squad and they've got especially the Especially at a club around. like Plymouth where the team spirit is so, so yeah, key, isn't it? It has to be yeah. important. And, yeah. and also, I see, I see players like Andy Keller often tweeting players, you know, saying, oh, you'll, you'll enjoy down there, the fans are fantastic. So players that go on and leave still have great, you know, feelings about the club and I'm sure that some of them are contacted by these players and they obviously yeah, give so. their references a lot of the time. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Sonny Bradley there, uh, Chris. Oh. Obviously, that would be a, a massive disappointment for the mm. Green Army. He was a very popular player 
from a footballing sense, you know, not just losing a centre half, but a leader as well. Yeah, it's it is a big blow. There's no two ways about it. Um, you know, he's he's been a great servant for Argyle for the last two seasons. Has performed consistently well, even when he's not been fully fit. You know, look, last season he ended up in hospital with a kidney problem. Um, you know, he he he's done a brilliant job for Argyle. Signed as a free agent from Crawley with without much fanfare, as as, as Jack mentioned, yeah. you know, earlier on. Um, I don't remember many people doing cartwheels about Sonny Bradley signing for Argyle at that time and two years later he's gone and made himself a really good player for Argyle and um, you know thanks for the service but as again as I did a piece for, for Plymouth Live you know no one player makes a football club you know you, you, players come and they go um, the, the point I illustrated was that you know Peter Hartley and Curtis Nelson were an excellent centre-back pairing for, for Argyle a couple of years they both left in the summer of 2016 you think, oh no, what's going to happen now? How are we, yeah. how are we going to replace them? And uh, you know, Derek Adams has replaced them well, particularly with Sonny Bradley at that left side. It's interesting. I remember at the time we were talking about because there were a few players that arrived, yeah. and we all thought he'd probably be third or fourth yeah. choice centre back, didn't we? Because yeah. obviously Carly Osborne came mm. in. Yeah. Trying to think who else came Bobby in. Now Osborne, yeah, yeah, Songo. Yeah. Um, so you, you brought players in, and he perhaps wasn't expected to be the first choice, and, and he was. So I, I think he's done a great job, but you know. Players come and players go, and um, you know, I, I suspect he's going to a club that's going to give him, you know, a fair bit more money to pay for, play for them. And you know, who are we to be, to begrudge that? It's a short professional career, and I think in in any of our jobs, you know, uh, you know, if somebody offers you a lot more money to go and uh, work for them, you're going to seriously consider it, aren't you? He's yeah. he's had two good years at Argyle. If he goes on to to Luton, which we suspect is the case. You know, then um, our paths will cross uh, next season. Yeah. Are you surprised, Jack, that that move hasn't gone through to Luton? I mean, he, we've obviously seen the tweet from Sonny to say that he's not coming back to Argyle. Well, well, me and Chris were speaking just before this, and players go on holiday. You know, deals can take a little while to, to you know, the actual signature take yeah. a while to be done. I mean, look at Carl McHugh, what happened a few years ago when he was at Argyle, Derek Adams all but came out and said, he, yeah, he's verbally agreed, but the contract hadn't been signed and then he ended up doing some other well so I think clubs don't want to come out before the contract is actually signed too often um, I'm, I'm surprised that he's left was that... no no more, more about his tweets say that I'm leaving Argyle but without any confirmation as to where he's going to go next obviously we've heard that it's likely to be looted yeah I'm sure his future's sorted I mean it, it was nice to see him put out a tweet I quite like it when, when players are on social media they use that platform to, to sort of thank the Green Army for or, or fans of whatever club it doesn't have to be Argyle um, rather than just depart and then, you know, not say anything after, especially when they're such a popular player. So no, I'm sure he'll get something snapped up soon. He's he's done a great job for our goal, but I do think that centre backs are not the hardest position to fill up. So I'm laughing because you, you said to me earlier on about how you might put that tweet out there to try and get himself a better club. So. Well, yeah, I mean, you never know. I'm sure I'm sure he'll have contract offers available to him, and yeah. if he's not already signed one. He might hope for more, but you know, if he if a big club doesn't come along, I'm sure Luton aren't going to say, "Well, you haven't signed it, so we don't want you now." He'll get a club. Um, I mean, people people have said, "Oh, is it just paper talk?" You know, the clubs that he's been linked with, but you know, talking to various people around and about the place, there's been a lot of interest in Sonny Bradley. Lots of interest, and and why wouldn't there be? Have they all made concrete, firm offers? Maybe not, but there's been an awful lot of interest shown in him, and he's got, as far as I understand it. He's had several options, you know, available to him, and and Jack, as Jack rightly says, you know, with what he did in League Two, League Two Player Team of the Year, Argyle Player of the Year in sixteen uh, seventeen, and then a very consistent performer again for Argyle last season. You know, he was always going to have uh, 
you know, options. Could Argyle have done more to re-sign him towards the end of last season? Yes, they probably could have done. But again, Derek Adams uh, may have felt, look, well, this is what I'm prepared to offer him. Offer him. Um, if he thinks he can get better elsewhere, fair enough. I'll use that money to, to get somebody else. We, we know Declan has no room for sentiment uh, he, in football. He, He's he, very uh, you know, direct, uh, isn't he? Fans, quite rightly, get that emotional attachment to their team and to players. Um, and as Jack's just touched on there, Derek Adams doesn't have any room for sentiment. Look at Luke McCormick, look at Craig Brewster. You know, so he's not going to be sat there thinking, well, I'm, I'm going, okay, I might lose Sonny Bradley. I'll tell you what, I'll give him an extra so many pounds a week to try and get him to stay. He'll have had what he feels is Sonny Bradley's worth to Argyle in his mind and what he's prepared to pay him. And if Sonny Bradley can get more elsewhere, then that's football, it's a business. Yeah. Know? Well, taking that into account then, you. Should Argyle perhaps have looked to, to have sold him in January then, maybe? Mm. Well, and, and cashed in on him well, when he had a monetary value? That's a fair point. Although I suppose at January, Argyle was still not clear of the trouble they were in. Um, we weren't to know in, at the start of January, say, for example, that they were going to you know, get into the playoff push at places and get so close. You know, it's a brave decision to sell you one of your best players at that time of the season when you're near the bottom of the table or when you're just beginning to, to turn around. But yeah, that is a... That's a fair point, and you know that's something they could have considered doing. The thing um, is, I think as, if you're a club, you're damned if you do, damned mm, if you don't. If you yeah. sell him mm. for what would have been what a fairly small fee, he's out of contract mm. in the summer. People would have said, "Well, where's your ambition, James Brem? You know, why aren't you signing into a longer deal?" If they don't sell him and they keep him and he leaves on a free, so why didn't you sell him in January? They can't win, and you know, mm. very few teams in football haven't got anything to play for in January, whether it's relegation, promotion, and whichever. We, of those two battles you're fighting, you're not going to want to get rid of one of your best players. And they, at the end of the day, they signed Sonny Bradley as a free agent, and he's left on a free transfer. So they've had oh, two, two years. Good they've service. had two years good yeah. service. So you know, you'd always like to get some money for players and things like that. But they, they, they've gained. They've had a, a good player for two years, and they've got his career back on track as well. I mean, yeah. through his efforts, you know, he'd left Crawley Town. You know, who aren't one of the biggest clubs in the EFL. He's come to Argyle, he's had two good seasons, and he's moving his career on. So, uh, in terms of, you know, getting a pay rise and presumably a, a decent length of contract, so he's got financial security. And I still, I still argue back to the fact that there's no disrespect to Tony Bradley because he's been fantastic, but I think centre backs aren't the hardest position to find a replacement in. I think there are a lot of good centre backs out there. I think strikers are harder to find, for example. But I think, I, think yeah. I wouldn't worry about Declan's finding replacements like he's already brought with Canada. Well, I certainly think strikers are hard to find if you're trying to find another sort of Ryan Taylor type striker. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the difficulty Not as easy. we saw last season. Not easy at all. Moving on then, guys. Uh, where do our goal need to strengthen ahead of next season? I think goalkeeper is probably the major issue, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you've got Michael Cooper as the young up and coming player who I think we've all got quite high hopes for without wanting to put too much pressure on him. But he's got all the attributes yeah, yeah. to be a good goalkeeper in a. Well, he's a good goalkeeper now, but you know, to, to yeah. start being ready for the first team in however long it will take. Carl Leatheran has re-signed um, for Argyle. Um, now he will compete for the first team job. You know, I, I've spoken to Carl a few times, and and you know, he's not here just to make up the numbers. I know that for an absolute fact. But we are probably looking for what you might deem a first choice goalkeeper at the moment, a replacement for Remy Matthews or for Luke McCormick, or however you want to look at look at it. I think you know. A lot of people would like it to be Remy Matthews, but I just don't see the circumstances stacking up where he's going to be available. And, you know, I just say that Norwich left it till like the week before the season started and they decide, well, yeah, we're not sure we want him to be our first choice keeper next season. Do you fancy going out on loan again to, to Plymouth Argyle? Argyle can't leave it that late to get their first, what is presumptive first choice uh, 
goalkeeper. So Derek Adams will be working on that, I'm sure. He'll have a, a list that he and Greg Strong have come up with together. Um, it's interesting we haven't really heard any names talked about for, for our goal, goalkeepers at all. You know, no sort of rumours, but they need a first-choice goalkeeper and, and you would like to have him in before the start of pre-season so you know, he can start working with his teammates and that, that relationship rapport between goalkeeper and, and defence is always very important. It's quite funny, as I was saying, say, it's quite funny putting my, like, my fan hat on. With Derek Adams, it's quite relaxing because it's quite nice because I, I don't ever feel worried about signings. I always feel that he will bring someone in, he'll get the right type of player. There's been plenty of managers that have been at Argo in the past and I've been, I've been worried saying, well, you know, where's the player going to come from? Is he going to be good enough? I just don't have that worry of Derek Adams. I, he, he sort of brings calm over it and I have faith that he'll bring someone decent in. So for me, it's not a worry at all. Mm. Yeah, but, it needs to be, but it does need to be addressed. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, you know it can't drag on for two. But, you know, you know Derek Adams, he's not going to mm. not be addressing no. it. You no. Know, no. There could well be someone signing in the next few mm. days. Yeah, well, what is interesting though is looking through the, the list of, um, or the retained list of clubs throughout the Premier League and the EFL, it's not a great deal mm. number of goalkeepers that have been released. Mm. Certainly experienced ones. I mean, you can look at Chelsea, for example. Yeah. I think they released Mitch Beanie and who's the other young goalkeeper that you always sign on football <laughs> <laughs> um, But, you know, you, you see a lot of young goalkeepers mm. on that. Argyle wouldn't want that, would they? Because obviously, you know, we've spoken about Michael Cooper mm. and the hopes that they have for him for the future. You'd expect it to be an, an experienced sort of 26, 27, 28, 28 Yeah, it could be. I mean, Carl Leveran's got that experience, you know, so maybe you could go with a slightly younger goalkeeper. I think Remy Matthews was 24 at the top of my head, so, you know, maybe you could find somebody of that age. But you're, you're right, it's, there's not that many goalkeepers around that you would consider for first choice position. So it would be interesting to see who who they come up with. It's, it's, it's a key position, you know, w- without doubt. I mean... Uh, I, I think the, 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 the attacking side of things, you know, numbers-wise, certainly is, is pretty good at the moment. There's lots of attacking options, but we listed the names when we talked about the new signings. Defensively, though, you know, there's clearly gaps. You know, there's a centre-back or two needed. There's um, a right-back to, say, compete with Joe Riley. There's um, the left-back situation needs sorted out. You know, I would imagine that Gary Sawyer will re-sign for Argyle. He seemed perfectly happy. He was captain last season. Hasn't been announced yet, but you know, might be away on holiday, all that sort of thing. So you'd think he'll sign, but Aaron Taylor Sinclair was released. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do at left back there as well? So there's, you know, question marks at left back, centre back, right back. David Fox situation yeah. is not resolved. You know, um, there's been very little talk about David Fox's future. Um, I do suspect that he might want to move back closer to his family in the northwest but you know we'll, we'll see what happens you know Argyle might be able to persuade him otherwise um, so but if he was to leave you know that might be an area of the team that needs addressing as well also, Peyton and Mikassi have gone as well yeah. Frelko who could play there's also gone so, so that you know so it's that back end of the team you know goalkeeper defence holding midfield player whereas you know when you look going forward you've got you know Gary Lemirez, Taylor, Grants, you know, Ladapo, yeah. Dyson, you know. So, at the back end of the team, I would say. And yeah. we haven't signed, I don't think he's on many Scottish players yet, so no. never know, there could be a few of them on their way. <laughs> what we don't know as well, of course, is what players are out of contracts that have been offered deals by their clubs. Yeah. And they're still mulling them over to see what they can get elsewhere. Exactly, yeah. And that's that's where the, the unknowns are sort of come in, isn't it? Because you know, we've just said, well, there aren't that many, on the face of it, that many experienced goalkeepers around. But say they've got one goalkeeper, says, yeah. no, I'll, 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 no, thank you, I won't take this offer. I'll take one that's on the table from Plymouth Argyle. So 
Um, and I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure Jack Hansen made contract offers to a fair few players. Yeah, so I mean, this is a waiting game for a lot of it. And he, he made it clear at the end of the season he wanted to get as many, if not all, of his squad in for pre season training, the start of pre season training, which is June the 27th, for only, scarily, only just over a fortnight yeah. away from that. So um, I think he'll be pushing very hard to, to get players in. And, you know, players as well, they don't really want to miss the start of pre season, they want to be at a club and you know, start gelling with their new teammates and, and work on the, the tactics and the, the fitness side of things. So and They often um, talk about how hard it is to catch up if you miss the first week. Exactly. Time. So, yeah. you know, you know it, it, we've got five what, five new signings and you, you wouldn't be at all surprised if there was another four or five in the next fortnight. And not just that, but also getting those players in and when you bear in mind the start that Argar made to the season last year, you know, he'll want as much time on the training ground as possible with them to get the, the shape and the way that they play all sorted in time for that first game of the season. Yeah, it's not an easy thing to do to get no. people on the same page and that, that has, you know, that was an issue last year, I think, you know, certainly. So, um, yeah, the, the more time they can spend together as a squad, the better. And then I'm sure towards the end, I, I would be shocked if there were a couple of loan signings You're nearer the end. Yeah, because, of course, the, the new rules mean the, the transfer window for, for permanent transfers Yeah is the Thursday after the season starts, which is the Thursday before the Premier League starts, but you can still make loan signings to the end of August. So there is always going to be yeah. that potential to, to bring in loan signings before the end of August. And a lot of these clubs probably won't make up their minds whether they're going to let these players out mm. until then. So No, it's, it's going to be an interesting summer from that point of view, I think. Um, not just on the playing front, though, there's been changes with the kit as well. Two new kits, home and away. Green home, green away. Um, Ask the fan. Yeah. Ask you, the fan. You invested yet, Jack? I've not invested. I'm, well, I'm going to be working every game next year, so I won't be able to wear a top. So <laughs> I don't know if I'll be buying one, but I do quite like them, I've got to admit. I, I haven't seen them in person yet, and I do think sometimes the ones that I think I like, I'm not as keen on when I see them, and vice versa. There'll be some that I haven't really liked the images of, but when I see them in person, I've quite enjoyed. Um, I don't know if there will be, will there be a third kit for when, because there's two types of green? I, I don't know. Um, I, don't know. I think the only, the only team that, well, Yeover would be the only. The only the only problem um, in terms of clash, but I I just you look at Yeovil's kit and you look at Argyle's one, that green and black stripes is very different from a green and white yeah. hoops, mm-hmm. um, so I, I'm not sure there'd necessarily be a clash even if Argyle get Yeovil. And apart from from Yeovil, you know, um, I'm not sure it'd be an issue to be honest. I do love the um, the logo, Ginger's logo. I think the way they've done it on the home, home, home kit. kit. It's fantastic. I really quite. I, I do quite like it. And the the away kit's a bit different. I'm not. I can't. I can't recall in my time of uh, being a fan an away kit like that. I don't know when the last time we had. I can't ever remember Argyle in quarters. Um, that's for sure. Or, or effectively, what are quarters? Um, I mean, I've seen the the new home one in the flesh, yeah. so to speak, and it is nice. It's a nice. It's a nice shirt. Um, I like the fact that badge is woven into the shirt rather than just sort of. On. printed on sort yeah. of thing so um, yeah I think I think the green the, the home one looks very smart the, the away one's different not sure on the colour pepper green I think it was was called but yeah it looked, it looked it's nice funny the names of these these colours yeah. it, it looked green. Green. <laughs> it was a lime green and then we had what was, what was yeah. the purple one called a few years ago oh, they yeah. had a funny name Royal Lilac Royal Lilac yeah they've all got funny names haven't they why do we remember things honestly why do we remember Argyle had an away kit a couple of years ago that was called Royal Lilac. There's, there's far more important things in this world to remember than that. But what, what I would say about these kits, though, is most of, well, I think nearly all of the reaction on Twitter was positive. And I tell yeah. you what, if you're a club that can get 
90 percent or more people been positive about something you're doing something. Well, you're right. going to have some good kit sales, aren't you? The, yeah, the home yes. kit in particular. I think the away one did get a little bit of adverse reaction, and it is different. I mean, it is a it's a different green, it's a different style. So you know, it's it's a bit more sort of maybe a bit more marmite. And with sort that of thing. one, of course, they had the red logo, yeah. the Ginsters logo, didn't they? Which some fans that's, are not are not yeah. well, on the, the red logo. The way it's not red and white stripes, so that's the most important. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be the disaster. Well, but, like Albert and Villa. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the home kit, the home kit, in my time in the social media age, seeing a reaction to a kit, I mean, everyone seemed to love it. Yeah. So it'd be fascinating when we turn up first first few games of the season to see how many people are wearing it. And also I'm sure people will have it for the pre-season games as well. Yeah, they? well, if, if a kit, I don't know when the kit comes in yeah. and stuff like that, but um, yeah, it was very, it I, seemed to be very popular. I think it's an area the club have absolutely nailed, you know, they listen to the fans, they get fans involved mm. in the discussions of what mm. the new kit's going to be. I'll tell you what else they do well. And they, they do come up with good kits. They advertise it well. I think the way they gave the date you know, and they gave a little teaser of what it might look like. I think that's a perfect way, if you're a football club, yeah. how you should do it, because it whets the appetite, it gets people interested, and I'm sure that will have an impact on sales. Yeah. Uh, other changes up at Home Park, of course, are the ground itself, the redevelopment of, uh, of Home Park. Chris, you've probably been up there more than Jack mm-hmm. and I. Um, lots of changes? Quite a few. Yeah, quite a few. You know, the Far Post Club's gone down at the far end. In fact, it's quite a bit of a, 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 bit of a sort of... A derelict area down there now. Uh, the Chisholm Lounge, uh, the house in the corner, so to speak, is called lots of different names. Is uh, going to be going uh, shortly. So that area between the grandstand and the barn park end is is going to be very uh, empty for the time being. That of course is going to be filled by the supporters bar, which the Green Taverners are, are going to be building, and uh, ultimately the players' new dressing rooms are going to go in that corner as well. So that will that will fill that area as well as a, a room for the grandstand to be extended um, uh, at some point to sort of all join up together in one in one corner. At the opposite end of the pitch, all the old club offices where I used to sit and interview Paul Sturrock all those years ago, they've all gone. Our media centre, which we've used for the last couple of seasons, gone. Um, so basically all those white buildings next to the main gates. So when you turned up at Argyle and you had the Art Deco turnstile entrances, everything to the right of the, the big green gate has, has gone. Um, down that side so that looks very different uh, where the disabled enclosure was last season uh, again between the grandstand and the Linda, uh, the Devonport end um, that's been uh, gone and in that sort of area around there you're looking at the, the superstore uh, the ticket office there's going to be a control room where the police stewards, you know, can you know keep a an eye on what's going on. So all that's going on. Of course, the grandstand is is what everyone's, you know, really interested in. Um, but you know, stuff has to be demolished before people can start getting in and and doing bits and pieces. Um, I did have the chance to have a chat with um, Simon Hallett, our girl vice chairman, who. Uh, um, He's basically funding the, 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 the grandstand work with his wife, uh, Jane. Uh, it was an interesting ch- to have a chat with him and how he feels about the progress and, and where things are going. So um, that is one of my lists of uh, things to write up very shortly. So, you know, keep your eyes peeled on, online because, um, you know, Simon had some, some interesting comments to make about uh, the whole process and how he feels it's going at the moment. But, uh, you know, you ask people at the club, and uh, you know, I saw Mark Lovell, the interim chief executive, and I, I think there is a, a, an obvious acknowledgement that it's going to be a tight schedule for Argyle to get everything in done for the start of the 2019-20 season. And I think we can all think of projects that 
have not been completed on time. You know, that's, that's often seems to be the way of the world. But the 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 line from the club very much at the moment is is that yes, it's a a tight deadline, but we think that we will be ready at the start of the twenty nineteen twenty season. So interesting we'll for happens. you guys as well because the the press box is going to be moving as well. So yes, I think we're going to be somewhere sort of Lindhurst stand, Barn Park stand. The director's box is going to be moving. Uh, sponsors. Um, are, are going to be in in a, in the same sort of area, I'd imagine. The, the club's obviously not going to have any hospitality to start off with, which is an interesting point because the grandstand is going to be out of bounds to the public. Um, there's no um, facilities really for hospitality at the moment. So Mark Lovell, when he uh, had a chat with me uh, last week, was saying that the the commercial people are in the process of working out arrangements what they're going to do before the supporters bar opens. Once the supporters bar opens, then I think Argyle will use that hospitality but the supporters bar isn't going to be ready till the end of 2018 yeah, so, that's an interesting point that yeah. myself and a lot, of, a lot of fans don't yeah. think about those types of things so what are they going yeah, to do with hospitality so will they um, try and do something temporary on site will they try and find other facilities close to home park and get people in Being to... from Brickfields or something. <laughs> well you know who knows um, you know there's certainly going to have to be some interim arrangements um, and it's interesting that the players will still be using the dressing rooms. The only people using the grandstand next season will be the players. The existing dressing rooms will be used until such point that that corner between the grandstand and the barn park end is is ready, and then they can start building the uh, the dressing rooms. And uh, you know they're not looking the new dressing rooms aren't going to be ready till twenty nineteen. So um, oh, so they have the new dressing rooms in the, the in the corner at the between the grandstand and the barn park. Yeah, that's so, not just temporary thing. That's where it's no, that'll be the perm- that'll be a permanent one. So. Um, that's where that's that's where they'll be long term. Yeah, you can't get rid of the uh, old one before the new one. I was so, in the car park. So you know, there's a lot of demolition. Um, uh, in terms of work on the grandstand itself, no, but there's an awful lot that needs to be done. I mean, yeah. I saw um, John Back, the Argyle uh, project manager for the for the for the scheme, and uh, he's he's done a blog, and he was saying that the the Chisholm Lounge is going to be coming down soon. Um, but one of the things that they've got to do first is work out where all the various cables that are draped all over the place, what they're for, mm. what they connect to. You know, <laughs> because um, if anyone's been down that end of the ground when the far post club was there or whatever, there are wires and cables hanging all over the place. And, um, you know, goodness knows what they all uh, link up to. Yeah, it would be sort of thing. So it's not just as simple. I mean, I was probably guilty of that as much as anyone. But you think, oh, they just go in and knock this down, knock that down, knock mm. that down. But when there's asbestos around and when yeah. there's foundations to, to think live about cables. and live cables <laughs> and wires. Well, we've seen a few times where the club shot's been out of bounds. Yeah, it, it, it must be a nightmare because... So. Yeah, the wrong one. Yeah, yeah. It, it must be a nightmare because yeah. yeah. there's so many wires and cables and, and power supplies and, all you know, utility bits and pieces that it's not a simple a simple uh, job but it, it is changing you know if you're up at home park you'll notice the difference if you've not been there for a for a while and I'm sure by August you know things will will look look a bit different as well just quite quickly I mean as a fan I've, I've sat in the Lintest all you know ever since I was young so I've not really had an attachment to the grandstand mm. sort of side but you mentioned there Chris that you've interviewed you know like some mm. and all sorts there what, what do you feel like seeing it all demolishes do you have any sense well, it's of good for that? no not really no I think it's good it's good um, you know, they weren't particularly nice buildings were they, yeah, they, served, they served a purpose yeah. um, and it was better than not having them at all but you know they weren't you know a lot of memories there a lot of people a lot of, oh, yeah crikey I mean uh, that, those white buildings where we used to yeah. you know I, I first 
interviewed Mick Jones and Kevin Hodges and Paul Stoke and all those buildings. You spent a lot of time hanging around waiting to see managers in those days. And Graham Wesley in the hat. Graham Wesley in the hat. <laughs> yeah. So um, so, but it, it's good. And, and one of the things Simon Hallett was was saying is that you know he he sits in the director's box, and so sees the. The good three sides, shall we yeah. say, of Home Park. And he um, went and watched the Argyle Ladies when they won their league title. They played Paul Town. And um, I bumped into him, actually, at the game. But we were we were all sat in the Linda stand. That was the only part of the... And because I sit in the press box all the time and he sits in the director's box, we're used to the view that we mm. get. Yeah. But when you sit in another part of the ground and you look at the grandstand, and particularly the terrace... Uh, at the front, you know, you think, oh, that does look a bit of a state. Sorry, and, sorry. And it? Simon Hallett said that in an interview that I'm, I'm doing with him, that, you know, it's very important that how things look and the image it portrays. And he says that one of the things that he will take most from the new grandstand is that it portrays the image of a club that's forward-thinking and planning for the future. And he said, you know, he was sat and watched that game in Argyle Ladies against Paul, and he was sat looking at the, the grandstand and thinking how sort of dilapidated and shabby it looked. Mm. Um, so, what about the um, TV cameras for next year? Then, because obviously we're so used I, to having that view. Is, I don't know the answer. TV I, I don't know the answer to that. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, see what see what happens with that. Um, you know, whether they could build some sort of um, gantry on the terracing. Um, you know, so to keep the cameras on that side of the pitch. The only thing I understand is that anything really to do with the grandstand, that the schedule is so tight, they haven't really got time to sort of. Um, you know, make contingencies for, for bits and pieces. You know, there was talk about trying to keep fans in one part of the grandstand and do the other part and then move them move yeah. them around. But because, you know, the schedule's quite tight, that's why the, the whole of the grandstand, apart from the, the players' dressing rooms and, the, you know, the referees' changing rooms, that's why everything's out of bounds. So it's interesting, you, know, you mentioned the wires, you mentioned the gantry. It's all these little things you just don't think about. No, it, it, there are going to be, there's no getting away from it problems, difficulties, annoyances for, for everyone, for fans, for media, for, for the directors, you know, it, it's, it, it's going to cause problems. We'll be praying know. for some Wi-Fi next season, yeah, I well, that might cause a few issues. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not going to be easy, no. but, um, you know, all you can hope from a, from a fan point of view, from, from a media point of view, from everyone's point of view, is that come 2019 and that's, that season when it starts, yeah. that Argyle will have a a facility that people can be, uh, you know, proud of and pleased with. You know, time, time will tell. There's a lot of work to be done. The thing is, if there are hiccups and there's a few disruptions, you know, fans mm. can't have their cake and eat it. They, they, they want a new grandstand. Yeah. These things have to happen. Yeah. This is something everyone has to put up with. You know, the staff, journalists, fans, mm. everyone has to put up with it. So it's, it's interesting, you know, um, you know, we'll try and keep on top of it as best we can and give you all the updates and um, we'll see how it, sorry, how it all unfolds. Like I say, you... Um, Simon Hallett, you know, seems pretty positive with the way things are going at the moment. So um, it's a good interview. Um, you know, if you get a chance to read it when it's online in the in the next day, then um, that'd be brilliant. Indeed. Well, that's all we've got time for. We've probably got to see another signing being made now. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that usually happens actually. <laughs> yeah. After you yeah. do the podcast, there's a signing. It's so, only updated right? straight away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, well, stay tuned to uh, Plymouth Live, of course, for all the latest transfer news. Thanks, guys, for joining me. It's been nice back to be back. back. Yeah, no, indeed. nice to be nice back. To nice again. to be back, yeah. Indeed. Uh, and we will be back again, hopefully, same time next week with more news. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.